there's a, a tremendous balance we're needing to find in the Spirit. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, God's Holy Spirit was poured out in a profound way. He can't come more than he came on the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit was poured out on believers, and the Holy Spirit presides and resides in believers. And because you believed in Jesus Christ, he's taken up residence on the inside of you. He doesn't come and go like he did in the Old Testament because <clears throat> the Holy Spirit uh, presides on a temple that is sustained as holy and beautiful in God's sight. Because your temple is sustained holy and beautiful, not by your works, but by your faith. And you, by faith, access the finished work of Jesus Christ, which is eternal and profound and perfectly acceptable in God's sight. That's why you and I, who are in Christ, are holy and acceptable in God's sight, free from accusation, without blemish. And there is no condemnation for us. Also, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go. He resides. He takes up permanent residence in you because the blood of Jesus has cons consistently and eternally cleansed you. Does it make sense? So the Holy Spirit is never going to leave you. But the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will be in you. He will be on you and he will be among you. He's in you to teach you about all things and to guide you into all truth. He's on you. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus said, because he's anointed me to preach and to minister and to open the eyes and to set people free. The anointing of God on you is for other people and the anointing of God among us is for our nation and our generation. And if there's one thing that I think the church has lost is that sense of how we respond together to his presence among us. There's a responsibility that needs to come on the church that we together learn how to host the presence of God among us because in a few places in the book of Acts, it says that the people of the world looked up at the church and they go, God is among them. And nobody, Bible says, Acts 5 says, nobody dared join the church, but the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved and many miracles were being done in the church and the world cast a longing eye at the church. Man, I wish we could get in there. Looks like they're having the party. And unfortunately, in a powerless church, the world starts to cast its eye longingly towards the world. Look, they look like they're having fun over there. They look like they have all the wisdom and all the power and all the money. The Lord is flipping the script. He's bringing the church back to the role the church is supposed to be in. And the way that happens is not by better preaching. That's by more hosting of presence of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? amen. So as a church, this is where we're going. Come with us. We're going to learn together how to host his presence, how to respond as a group and say, Lord, what do you want us to do? Hallelujah. Makes me happy. Praise God. I have never been as happy in my whole life in a ministry as when I've seen the Spirit of God moving on the bride of Christ. That does something for my heart that I can't describe to you, but when the Spirit of God presides on the bride of Christ, all is right with my world. I love that. Come, Holy Spirit. But the Bible says, the Spirit and the bride together say, come, Lord Jesus. There's something about the Spirit and the bride in unison. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, but he's right here at hand. And we need to learn how to become aware of him and respond to what he's doing among us. And as we do, it's going to get fun in this little church. Song of Songs says... Song of Songs 8 verse 6 says, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for, for love is as strong as death, its jealousy as unyielding as the grave. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. 
Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. And if one were to give all the wealth of one's household for love, it would be utterly scorned. So I was thinking about this time, just to think about our time to give this morning. I felt like the Lord whispered to me about if somebody comes and beats my wife and then wants to give me money, it would be utterly scorned. Because uh, your money is no good if you're treating my bride in a certain way. And I felt like the Lord said, there's a, um, God is lovesick for his bride and his bride ought to be lovesick for him. And there is something about that love which is unquenchable in God's heart. Many waters cannot quench love. And God has committed, he has committed his love to his people and he will not move away from you. He will not back down. He will not forsake you. He will not take his eye off you. And I just felt like the Lord said, before you tell my people to give finances, I want you to tell them to recognize one another. There's some people around you who are part of the body of Christ and Jesus has lost his heart to them irrevocably. And that sometimes in the recognition of that, we can help one another. We can give to one another's need. And I think that kind of giving blesses him more than me just giving a standard, I have to give this much. Does it make sense? Does this feel like the Lord's stir? said, maybe there's some people around you that you've noticed there's a need. And I'd like to suggest that you maybe just ask the Lord, is there something I can do? What do you want me to do? What's my part? Because imagine if everybody in this room just listened and obeyed what the Holy Spirit said. I guarantee you there would be no one in this room who'd walk out here with a need. Because he would preside. And so when it comes to us responding to the Holy Spirit among us, I just felt like the Lord said, let's talk about us responding to the Holy Spirit. So maybe the Lord puts somebody on your heart. And maybe he puts an amount in your heart. Go to your spouse, find agreement. You have agreement with the lowest number. Right? I think we should give a thousand. My wife thinks she should give two. We're, we're in agreement at a thousand. Amen? So maybe, whatever. But I feel like maybe there were some people here that the Lord said, I want you to minister. And I want you to minister to one another. And that would bless my heart. Because love is the best motivator. Amen. Different ways to give. Thanks for your generosity. We're excited. What a year. Um, I, had, I hadn't meant to say this, but I, I want to share with you um, my personal journal from yesterday morning. Um, a few months ago, the Lord said to me, listener, beware. My personal time. He said, for the next few months, don't listen to anybody. Don't listen to the... Don't listen to the politicians, don't listen to the bankers, don't listen to anybody, don't listen to newspapers, because nobody knows what's going on, so listen to beware. It's a whole bunch of wah, 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 and I don't want you to get caught up in it. Just listen to beware. And so I said, that's great. It's, it's helpful if you have these moments where the Lord tells you, this is what I want from you, because it just set me free from a whole bunch of anxiety-driven watching, reading. I just go, oh, listen to beware, okay. And yesterday morning, the Lord woke me early, um, and, and spoke to him. I saw a blue mist. And this is what I felt like the Lord said to me. So I just want to give it to you. I wasn't going to read this, but I felt Michelle just encouraged me to read it. The Lord said this, Cast off melancholy, for it's part of a blue wave strategy released from hell to discourage and steal from my people. 
throw it off, cast it aside, it will not stick to you. This will require just a few minutes of determined resistance, but will lead to months of freedom. Pray against this, my son, for it's a gentle thief with good manners and will deceive some. But see, I forewarn you, and this scourge will have no power over you or yours. For I'm working behind the scenes in the spirit, and it cannot be seen by the natural eye. It will not be experienced by a fleshly heart, but will be accessed in the spirit and will cause great blessing. We spoke to some people this week in Bulgaria, and I spoke to some people in uh, Canada, and we spoke to some people in Denmark yesterday, and everywhere around the world, I'm feeling like there's a, there's a sense in the church of a great revival's coming. There is a hope beginning to stir across the world in the church. It's a very cool, it's a very cool season, and in order to try and dampen that down, the enemy's sending a blue wave of melancholy. And melancholy, I felt like the Lord said, watch out for melancholy because it's a well-dressed, good-looking, uh, very kindly sort of thief. And it's cousins of anxiety and fear. And if you welcome this one in and go, hey, get, we'll just, uh, thanks for this, you know, let me bring my cousin. So I, I just, for what it's worth, I just want to say, beware of melancholy. It feels sweet. Feels like, man, I like this food. Maybe I should just wallow here a little. And I just want to say, I just feel like that's the season we're in. And that's completely for free. <laughs> Had nothing to do with my sermon. Amen. Is everybody good? Yeah. Servant's towel, we're finishing up this morning. And I want to talk about rational and spiritual worship. We're part of a great eternal romance. This is the quest of God, not merely for subjects, but for a bride. God did not save us and wash us clean and establish us and fill us and bless us and seat us in heavenly places and give us the mind of Christ and establish His nature in us and fill us with His Holy Spirit and bless us with every spiritual blessing and give us authority far above every principality, power and dominion and call us so that we can simply eke out an existence and live the American dream. Amen, Greg. I think that's a great point. <laughs> David encouraged himself in the Lord. <laughs> this is not all there is, folks. Jesus didn't go through all of that so that we can hang in for pension. That's not the plan. There's something much bigger that's maybe 0.01% of what God's doing, but there is a 70 or 80 or 90 years that you live on this earth, but then there is an eternity you live with Him. This is just, as James says, the mist that appears and then disappears. There is a much greater reality waiting for us. Jesus didn't do all of this so that I could, I could eke out an existence here. You were born and then you were born again for much more than just that. You were born for a kingdom. You were born to rule and reign with Jesus Christ in eternal realms. You were born to put evil foes to flight and to shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of Christ. That's what the Bible says. Destined for great things. Called to participate in glorious wonders. You were born to destiny. It is one of the greatest tragedies of this life that when you go stand in a graveyard and, I, and you look around and you go, what songs were not written? What books were not authored? What feats were not tried? Because people just backed down. People lost sight of the eternal call of God on their life. 
Your birth came with massive offers of good works that only you can do, that God dreamed for you to do. So what Ephesians 2 says, you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. Some of you will know, some of you have been Christians longer than 20 years, will know the Peter Lord book, Eagles and Turkeys. But basically the book was about the storm and the eagle's egg got pushed out of the nest and landed fortunately on some soft and rolled into a turkey den and the turkey just raised that eagle like it's one of his own and this eagle is now learning to be a turkey and he's, he's strutting around and he's, the ugly, he's like the ugly duckling and the other turkeys are mocking him. And he's got this hooked beak and he's trying to eat and he can't quite get it right like the turkeys can. And when a predator comes, he's scurrying around wondering why he has such big wings and why he couldn't get out of the way fast enough. Picking at the dirt. And so one day an eagle flies overhead and he hears the cry of the eagle on the high winds. And something inside of him goes, that feels right. And half the church is sitting and every now and again you hear a call from heavenly places and something inside of you goes, I was born for more than this scraping around in the dirt. And I tell you, that's the truth. You were born for more. Ephesians 2. And then he raised us up together with him and seated us together with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. There's your call up. There's the eagle's cry from the heavens. You were raised up with Christ and seated in the heavenly realms. Adam and Eve, Adam and woman, because she only became Eve after the fall. Adam and woman are walking around and they have an intimate walk with God. They can see in the natural and just as comfortably they can see in the spirit. They're functioning in the natural realm, but they're also operating in the spiritual realm. And when the Hebrew says God came in the cool of the evening and cried out after they'd sinned, it wasn't, it's not actually the, the cooler part of the day. It's meaning that God came to them in that realm of the spirit and he walked to where he usually found them and he said, where are you guys? They were no longer in the realm of the spirit. They were now stuck in the realm of the dirt, digging away. For the first time in their lives, they became aware of their nakedness and they were stuck and their mindset and their vision and, the, and the, what they could see was now stuck to the limits of this earth. Stolen was this beautiful place of intimacy with God. God didn't walk in the garden with them. God didn't stop being spirit and became a physical being to walk. No, God walked in the spirit with them, but they could see him easily enough because they functioned in the spirit just as easily as they function in the natural. And when you got born again, Jesus invited you back into that place where you can function in both realms and you're supposed to, only the church for the most part functions only in the natural realm. What a tragedy that is. You were born for more than this. You were raised up, seated with Jesus in heavenly places, called to fly on the high winds and attack with ferocious power and speed. And if that's how we're designed to function, how should we be living? Because I want to cooperate with that reality. 
If, as I say to you, 99% of your life is in the spirit realm, 99% of what you should be doing is walking with God, hearing His voice, seeing what He's doing, understanding what He's saying, functioning in that realm. You go, Greg, how do I know that's true? Well, because the Bible says He gave you the mind of Christ. He seated you in heavenly places. He gave you authority far above every principality and power and every name that can be named for the sake of the church. He gave you the ability to see in the, in the eternal. That's why he said, fix your eyes not on what's seen, what's unseen. Because what's seen is temporary, what's unseen is eternal. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who's seated at the right hand of God. So I gave you the mind of Christ. That's why he gifted you with uh, a spiritual battle. For your struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the dark forces and heavenly places. Your weapons are not physical weapons. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. You can't, you can't wander through the New Testament without hitting this reality that you're not, you're not supposed to be scrounging out and eking out an existence on this dust. You're, you're supposed to soar in the heavens. You're supposed to understand things in the Spirit. So let me take you to Romans 12. Let's just look through a few verses because I think it's informed some of us. How am I supposed to be acting if that's the truth? What do you want me to do? Can I just say, none of this is to earn God's favor. You already have God's favor. This is not to earn God's favor. This is because you have it. Okay? As long as you don't get that screw in your head. You have God's favor. You believed in His Son. He loves you for that. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship, your logical and spiritual act of devotion and worship. Greg, how am I supposed to be living in the light of that reality? Well, this is number one. Offer yourself consistently as a living sacrifice to God. What do you want me to do, Lord? Here I am. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Why? Because it only understands dust. Doesn't understand the high winds. It doesn't know how to soar. It knows how to run. Because then, if you don't conform, but you transform by renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Can I just hit the pause button? Some people go, oh, you mustn't think of yourself more highly than you ought. But I just want to say thinking of yourself more lowly than you ought is also just wrong. Yeah. Think of yourself accurately, Paul says. Well, I'm just a woman, not a man. No, that's not true. You're a beloved child. Yeah. I'm just on a low down, dirty sinner. That's not true. You're a blood-bought, redeemed, adopted, beloved child of the living God. Yeah. yeah. So you can't... Well, people are, oh, you don't think of yourself more highly. Yeah, don't think of yourself more lowly. That's a form of arrogance to say something about yourself that, that confronts what God has said about you. You're a beloved child. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm just a low-down, dirty sinner. God says, no, but, but I said you're a child. You know, but I'm a sinner. It's a form of arrogance. Do you understand? Well, just as each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not all have the same function... So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. 
and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. We've been studying this idea that God gives grace gifts. God gives grace. We have different charismata according to the charis given to us. That's what that scripture says at verse 6. That's the Greek. We have different grace gifts according to the grace God has assigned to us. Now, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in proportion to your faith. If you have the ability to prophesy, prophesy. But don't prophesy things that you don't believe. Prophesy what you believe. If you have the gift of serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. Can I just say, can I just say, the amount of effort and time I put into a teaching, if you're an encourager, you should put the same amount of effort into encouraging. Is that fair? If it's giving, then give generously. Can I just say, some people, God gives you a capacity to generate wealth, power to you, blessing on you. And I hope that you enjoy that. But let me just say, if that's the grace that God put on your life, then the responsibility that you have is to give generously. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. If it's to lead, be diligent with it. If it's if love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Greg, how should I be living in the light of that reality? This is the way. Because if I lose sight of that reality, I start living only in this one. And in this one, I put other people down so that I can get ahead. Because that's how it works on the earth. That's the dusty stuff of the religion that works here. I can lie and cheat and steal and put others down and, and, and deceive and because I need to get, I need to get mine. But, but the Bible says, in view of God's mercy, how you should live is, well, you, you consider others better than yourself. Why? Well, Greg, that's not going to work down here. Yeah, but it's going to work up there. Because the one who's faithful and true is watching every move you make. And when you serve somebody else, when you put yourself out in order that they can be blessed, he goes, I see you. I see that. Not even a cup of water given like that will fail to receive its reward. Honor one another above yourselves. And this is the verse I want to stay on just for a moment. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Literally, that word is never be slothful, never be hesitant, never be slow to be zealous. Keep your fervor. Never be slow, never be tardy in, in zealous. Come zealous. Arm yourself with... I, I had a lady in the Bible college with me and she, English was her second language and she was preaching one day. And she said, uh, she was talking about being zealous for the Lord. And I said, no, when you're talking about one person, it's zealous. When you're talking about multiple people, it's zealousity. And so she preached a whole message about zealousity. And nobody understood it, so it was bad. But I can't, I can't, I can't read this thing without, we, ha- we need to have zealousity, friends. We must be zealous together. Okay.
I suggest that one of the ways you keep your zealousity is that you serve the Lord. And that if you stop serving the Lord, you lose some of your zeal. Zeal doesn't always come first. Sometimes I think service comes first. And service provokes zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor. Never be lacking in zeal. How? By serving the Lord. If the children in my house never have to face the fact that they are second to the Lord and to his call on a family, that means that sometimes they have to sacrifice for the sake of the call of God on us. That sometimes our children have to, have to not just hear the message, but actually feel the message that dad is leading the home in such a way that the Lord's voice and the Lord's needs and the Lord's preferences are put first. Well, I don't want to do that. Tough. That's what the Lord wants. That's We conform ourselves as a family. We conform ourselves to the will of the Lord. And if your kids never actually feel that, you can talk as much about how devoted you are to the Lord and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But if your kids never actually feel, they can always wiggle their way around. They can always wind their way out and you'll always surrender to them. Then what you're modeling for your kids is that the Lord is not the Lord. Your desires are actually the Lord in this house. Does that make sense? So at some stage, I'm not talking about beat your kids up. I'm just saying at some stage, quite often, your kids need to learn, you're not in charge and I'm not in charge. He's the Lord of this house. And I want to say, in a like manner, we can talk as much about honouring the Lord. We can worship Him and we can talk about His Lordship in our life. But if we never do something in our service of Him that costs us, then we haven't really lived that message out. It ain't an established truth in my life. I'm just going to let that settle a bit. Never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. Sorry, I don't know what's going on. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Thank you. Keep your, keep your fervor by serving the Lord. Service maintains zeal. And sometimes our service to the Lord needs to cost us something. Because that cost, my friends, is one of the sweetest things you can offer to the Lord in worship. Because that is your rational and spiritual act of worship. When it's not convenient, when you don't feel like it, when it's costing me, when I prefer something else and I choose out of my love, out of my devotion, Father, you are worth this and it's my honor to give it to you. That keeps your spiritual fervor. And somehow... It's become fashionable in the church to go, you know, I, I, I preferred the old chairs. These aren't that comfortable. And the service ran a little long today. My kids weren't that particularly happy with what happened in children's ministry. And I didn't like that third song. <laughs> T- 
Tyler tells a great story about his folks and he was about 10 or 12 years old and he goes, I don't want to go to church anymore. I'm not coming to church. And they go, why? Because there's no one else my age. There's no other boy in our church that's my age. I have no friends there. And his mom said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I haven't uh, taught you properly. You thought this was about you. You, you, talk, you go to church. So you, we go to church to minister. We go to give. Oh, easily fixed. Oh, don't worry. You can look after some other people. See, that, the, the, what are you doing for me? Well, well I, I, this wasn't the most comfortable thing. And friends, if we allow the church to sink back into those seats, we'll never keep spiritual fervor because it's inconvenient. I don't want to show fervor. I don't want to show devotion in front of other people to the Lord. Are you crazy? I might do business with some people in here. What would they think? Well, they might think that you're full of fervor. (laughs) Not sluggish in my earnestness, but to the boiling point in the spirit, offering these moments of obedience to the Lord. That's the literal translation. That's that's the Haswell literal translation of this verse. Not sluggish in my earnestness, but to the point of boiling, I offer my obedience to the Lord. It's not a one-time deal. This is a lifestyle, a godly habit, a worthy pursuit for believers. This is how we live, by constantly doing this zealous service. John Wesley said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. You start to live like that because you become aware of the beauty of a plan that God has for you. He has plans worked out for you. There is a dream for you. God has something in his heart that he has specifically set aside good works that only you can do. I can't fill in for you. Your works. Because when he knitted you together in your mother's womb and when he formed you in Christ, he said, there are some good works for you. And the only way you get to those good works is you start serving the Lord and you keep that up as a lifestyle. And in the process of your serving the Lord, you'll bump into somebody and there'll be a moment there where they're down and it's yours to encourage them and pick them up out of that place. And God has uniquely, uniquely and profoundly brought you in a pattern where the comfort you've received will be perfect for their situation. Well, I don't like serving at the door. There's a moment for you. There's a, there's, there's a profound good work for you. Every year I come back here to this place to remind everybody that this is a worthy pursuit to find opportunities inside a local church to serve other people and thereby serve the Lord. The day will come where God's power will ensure that every knee will bow and every tongue will join the chorus of acknowledgement of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That is going to happen as sure as the little green apples. I just want to learn how to do it well before that day. 
I don't bring the church to this place every year because I'm trying to get somebody to help us with what we need done. I bring the church every year to this place because I'm eager to see what can be attributed to your account in heaven. I would be a terrible leader if I wasn't driving you to that view. Philippians 4, 17, Paul says, Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more may be credited to your account. Paul said, look, you guys have given me finances. I'm in jail there. I'm stuck in jail and I don't have anything, but you guys sent me gifts by Epaphrodites and they've really blessed my life. And he goes, thank you so much. And he says, this appeal I'm making is not because I have more need. He said, but I'm jealous because you guys made a promise and I'd love to send some money there. And I just want to, he says, I don't, I'm not asking for me, but I'm just, I'm just so jealous for you guys because more will be added to your account on that side. Unashamed ask for giving, serve more, give more. Pray more, love more, do all that you can, whenever you can, to everybody you can, for as long as you can. That only makes sense when you have a view that's, that's an eagle view. Because turkeys don't think like that. Okay, hang on to your hats. I'm going to run through this next piece. Quickly. In Christ, you were made clean. That's what the Bible teaches. Our sins have been taken away. God said, I'll never remember your sins again. We've been completely washed. We've been wholly redeemed. We've entirely saved and we are faultless in His sight. I want you to feel some of the weight of what Jesus has done for you. He didn't do all of this. All of this. So you can live a turkey life. And then you were brought close. You've been brought near. You've been adopted. We are the children of God. We are perfectly reconciled to God. We have fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We are accepted among the beloved. We are seated in heavenly places. He cleaned you and He brought you close. Do you know that angels long for your position? So the Bible says. Yeah. Prophets of the Old Testament long to understand what is natural to you. He cleaned you and He brought you close. Then He clothed you. He clothed you with Christ. He endued you with power from on high. He made you the righteousness of God. He sealed you with His Holy Spirit. He blessed you with every spiritual blessing. He made you an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ and you have a massive inheritance. And then He called you. He called you to go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. He called you to fellowship with Him. He called you to glory. He called you to serve. That's what we're talking about now. He called you to a godly lifestyle. And he called you to go into the world. Those notes, by the way, will be available as a PDF on the... I, knew, I put too much effort into this build and we don't have enough time. There's an eagle inside of you that's convinced that there has to be more to this turkey life than you've been experiencing. And you're right. 
you're born to sow in the Spirit, to meet with Jesus, to be moved by the Holy Spirit, to have fellowship with the Father, to serve Jesus, to do good works that He prepared in advance for you to do. He's equipped you and prepared you for those good works. And He's inviting you to them. There's a moment in my life when every now and again, I walk into one of those prepared works and the Lord has me do something and it so touches me because I get to function and see God's life hit somebody and see them grow and I live for those moments. And there are thousands that he's prepared in advance for you. The principle of Scripture is first the natural and then the spiritual. First you're born in the natural and then you're born again. Jesus, Adam came first as the natural man. Jesus came as the spiritual man. First the natural, then the spiritual. And you, you can't be given true riches, Jesus said, unless you've handled worldly wealth. First the natural, then the spiritual. This is the principle. This is the way God trains you. First the natural. And so you go, well, Rick, I want to serve the Lord. Yeah, well, then stop somewhere naturally practically and serve some people because the lessons that you'll learn and the faithfulness you'll endure and the, and the things and the moments God will give you in the middle of the natural service will catapult you into the spiritual. That's the way it works. Prove faithful. Serve somewhere. Well, you don't understand. My life is busy and I have important things to do. Can I suggest that the most important turkey thing you can do is nowhere near the least important eagle thing you could do. We're enrolling in the process of serving the Lord until He shows us the good things that He prepared for us so that they can ascribe to your account in heaven. Every year, I call the church here. Everybody serves. Because that's just the family rule. That's just the way we are. That's just what we believe at Northlands. If you feel like God's called you here, this is what we do. Everybody serves. Everybody. Everybody serves. Because everybody's got some grace on their life, and we need it all. Everybody serves. Everybody serves using the grace that God gave you. And I say this every year unashamedly. I need you to sign up. I need you to get on one of the grace teams and need you to bring your strength to our church. Why? Because we're better off when we all do that. I keep looking for this. If there's one guy pulling the cart and 100 people sitting on the cart, the cart's going to go pretty slowly. There's 99 people pulling the cart and one guy lying on the cart. We can run fast. We have to get these ratios right. Right? Yeah. We've got somewhere to run. We've got somewhere to go. We've got things to do in the Spirit. And the simple truth is, the Scripture says, never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor by serving the Lord. Come join us. Let's serve our King together. Because He's worthy of it. Let's pray.
so appreciate you, Lord. So deeply grateful. Love this life that's filled with you. Love these winds that can lift us up. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and will not faint. Change our hearts, Lord, for what's in it for me to where can I serve. And Lord, for every heart in this meeting who has a cry that says, Lord, would you hear me? Would you see me as well? I'm asking, Lord, that you would hear their cry and in your own inimitable way answer their plea. So I pray that all throughout this meeting, Lord, all throughout this week, supernatural answers, whether they're spectacular or whether they're hidden, whether we stumble into them after the fact and go, oh, wow, God answered, or whether you do it spectacularly. Either way, Lord, would you hear those cries? Can I just say, I just, I just heard in the spirit, I heard some people crying out to God saying, Lord, please. Lord, for those people I'm praying. For that cry, Lord. In Jesus' name.